Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining us. On tonight's show, we work out whether Zip, Qantas and Crown are buys for the long-term patient investor. And we look at four unusual stocks viewers have asked us about. Telex Pharmaceuticals, Ingenia Communities Group, Nexus Minerals and Service Stream. We'll do that with Berman Invest Julia Lee and Tribeca Alpha Plus's uh, Bay Lu. Meanwhile, Morgan's Raymond Chang gives us two stocks that might be a good buy before they report very soon. And then Paul Ricard looks at the good performing super funds and asks, have you been doing better? Is your portfolio outperforming these super funds? If not, why not? We'll talk about that with Paul. So that's the show ahead. So let's kick off with Julia Lee and Berman Invest. Welcome to the program, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. Okay, so I'm, I've tossed a few stocks at you. And from my point of view, these are stocks that a lot of people have to be patient about because they might not do well in the short term. Um, and also, I saw Zip's report last week and it seemed pretty good, but the market wasn't too enthusiastic about it. Now, I know you analyse very closely. Why do you think the market wasn't too enthusiastic about this dip? Was it because all these new competitors are coming on the scene? I think there's increasing competition, Peter. When you see increasing competition, it means that it becomes harder to acquire customers and more expensive to acquire customers. So likely what we are going to see is an increased marketing spend happen. Uh, Zip also announced that it would be rebranding its quad pay to Zip to be more in line with its ASX uh, name. And that, of course, costs money as well. I often liken it to, you know, when we saw the telecom sector opening up, we went from having just Telstra as a monopoly to having other players coming in like TPG and Vocus. And of course, that increased competition was bad news for Telstra because it was the one losing market share. So the more established players, they have a lot more to lose when there's increasing competition, smaller players coming in, and even larger players coming in like PayPal that we have seen, as well as Apple Pay planning to come into the space and talk that, they, that they're not going to be looking at late fees, which of course is about 20 to 30% of revenues at times for these buy now, pay later stocks. So look, I prefer to stay away from companies where there is increasing competition, even though the sector is growing because it becomes much more harder to acquire that growth and more expensive to acquire that growth. What about the fact that they've got 2.5 million customers and they are diversifying into different products, even talking about cryptocurrency as well. And I would have figured that the, the audience base would be rather on the youngish side and probably not great fans of the banks. So, so that made me think, well, they probably have long-term potential to grow that customer base. Yeah, there's, there's lots of potential, especially because of the demographics, as you mentioned, Pete. And Afterpay is one that has mentioned that it will be now expanding into banking services that won't be looking at making a profit out of those banking services, but use it as a retention tool. And of course, when you are looking at giving out money, any data that you have on its custom, on customers is a great way to be able to manage risk. So having visibility into bank accounts, salaries being paid into account, cash levels, that type of thing, I think is invaluable. And the data side of things is, um, I guess, a side that we don't talk about very often. But seeing those spending habits, the, the millennials, is, is a huge advantage. But on the flip side, you have these massive giants with a lot bigger wallets and more money to spend, like Power, 
PayPal as well as Apple um, looking to get into this space as well. And they have gotten into this space and they are spending money around. So the fact that they just have a sheer huge user base in comparison to the likes of Zip Pay just means that it's much harder for these smaller players now to grow. Okay, let's go to one I know you do like and has been basically following your script, namely Qantas. Um, um, and from the point of view of someone who buys it now and is prepared to wait a year or so, are they going to get a nice return? Yeah, there's a few companies that, that are, I guess are in the same bucket as Qantas. And this reporting season, I know that it's going to be a weak reporting season for companies that are exposed to things like tourism and are exposed to the lockdown. So I have a number of stocks on my watch list. So if we do get a poor report out of the last 12 months that I'd be looking to acquire and buy out. One of those is Qantas. The other is Star. And I'm also looking at Woodside Petroleum. And that's because with all of these companies, I know that the Delta variant of COVID impacts negatively on the business. However, as vaccinations increase, hospitalizations decrease, and we can move uh, forward to closer to a more normal world. Um, so this reporting season, I think, is going to be interesting, not only from the viewpoint of the companies that will blow out the lights in terms of earnings, but also in terms of just making strategic acquisitions over the next 12 to 18 months. We know with Woodside Petroleum at the moment, there's concern around the oil price because of global growth concerns, because of the Delta variant. But come the first half of next year and the second half of next year, where hopefully we will be flying and we will be riding in our cars, um, that we will see oil price bouncing back quite strongly. Okay, now one last one before I just throw a few viewer companies at you. Crown, now $10, analysts think it's worth $12 plus, a uh, lot of problems, a lot of you know, lot, you know, Royal Commission challenges. But is it a buy at these levels, Julia, for the long-term investment? Yes. I mean, Crown was down 4% today on news that the uh, WA Royal Commission will be extended out till March 2022. So we know that it's having problems in terms of licensing and that that is a key risk. However, I don't think the share price will fall too much because we know that it's a takeover play and that's in play at the moment. So it's unlikely to fall substantially unless it loses its license. So that's a key risk. The way that I would probably prefer to play casinos at the moment is through Star. Now, Star recently said that they would be taking away their uh, merger proposal from Crown um, because of those regulatory risks. But also, if we do see a takeover for Crown happening and a third party coming in like private equity, I think that Star's in the key driver seat to be operating some of these casinos. So it could still end up being a win for star. Also, if we have a look at casino earnings, once lockdown is lifted, these earnings do tend to bounce back quite quickly and very strongly. And there's almost a defensive type of nature to these earnings. So I probably prefer the lower risk option of star versus crown, although uh, crown, of course, will be driven by that takeover activity. Okay. A quick, quick four from viewers. Telex Pharmaceuticals, TLX. Yeah, look, this is an interesting one. Um, I think it was formed back in 2015, and really they're looking at diagnosing uh, different cancers. So mainly in the area of prostate cancer, kidney cancer, uh, brain cancer as well. Um, so look, they are very much moving from, uh, I guess, the research stage into the commercialization stage over the next 24 months, which is quite exciting. So just watching this one carefully, it of course is a speculative play because there isn't a lot of revenue coming 
coming in through the door. Having a look at the cash at the bank, they have enough to tie them over for around about four quarters. But at that stage, if they don't have revenue coming in through the door, of course, there's a risk of a capital raising as well. But inching closer and closer to commercialization and in that diagnostics area. So looking at targeted radio molecular, um, I guess, imaging for cancers. And firstly, in the area of prostate and then looking at things like renal or kidney as well as brain. Great. Let's go to Ingenia Communities Group, INA. I quite like this one. I grew up going to caravan parks, but of course, today's caravan parks are about a lot more than just leisure. And Ingenia Communities is also about tapping into that retirement area where, you know, they, they lease out the land or, or sell some of the land as well. And the good news for Ingenia is that they are in an upgrade cycle. Recently, um, they did upgrade their earnings expectations for the last financial year to growth of 30%. So that's up from 15 to 20% previously. And they also said that new lot sales was up by around about 17%. Part of this is that we are seeing a migration away from city centres and of course we're also seeing that ageing population as well and the cost of house prices in capital cities have just blown through the roof. So these type of communities looking a lot more attractive and probably will continue to do so and those um, I guess those uh, tailwinds of things like migration away from city centres, working from home, ageing population, those type of themes aren't going to go away anytime soon. So Ingenia really exposed to that area and will probably continue to see some strong growth. And of course, they're predicting 30% growth for the last financial year. Mm. I might write a story about working from caravan parks. <laughs> yes. All right, let's go you know, to Nexus Minerals, NXM. Uh, so having a look at this one, and I guess it's it's interesting because it is an explorer, um, but it is a very small company, a market capitalization of about $22 million. So this is all to do with, I guess, the exploration results. It was interesting having a look at the shareholder register. I noticed that Northern Star has a 2.7% stake in this business. But look, Pete, I tend to stay away from those explorers because it is all on the back of those exploration results. So unless you've got a, a good idea around some of the properties around that exploration area it really is a, a bit of a, a, a luck game um, so I guess having a look at that gold space as well it, it has been a pretty difficult place to be um, we sold our, our uh, northern star shares last week for a profit um, and this week you know they've gone down quite substantially so gold really struggling to find a bit of a base here but I'm um, starting to look interesting from a value point of view but I'd probably go with more of the producers here one final one, Service Stream, SSM. Yeah, Service Stream is one that has been in a downgrade cycle. And look, a lot of its revenues depend on the NBN rollout, which of course, there's a huge amount of money to be spent. So really, uh, in reality, Service Stream's uh, fortunes really depend on how much work it's being awarded out of the NBN project. Recently, they did announce an acquisition from Len Lease, which gives them more scale in that telecom area, but also gives them a more diversified business, which helps them to compete with the likes of Downer EDI in terms of the market. At these type of, of prices, I think, um, you know, there, it is high risk, but I would be tempted to put a little bit of money in here as a value play. Um, and of course, if you do see some of that NBN uh, revenue coming through to Service Stream, you see the valuation increasing quite quickly for Service Stream on the back of some of those contract wins. So keeping an eye out for the NBN and the rollout because its fortunes really depend on that at the moment. 
Julia Lee, as always, thanks for doing all the hard work on those companies. And I'll talk to you next week. Pleasure. Thanks, Pete. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book, Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. Well, joining us now is June Lu from Tribeca Alpha Plus. Good to see you, uh, June Lu. Great to see you. How are you? Well, not really enjoying the lockdown, as you can see. I'm even broadcasting from home rather than our usual studio. But it's good to see we have this Zoom technology which permits us to keep producing our TV programs. Which is incredible, isn't it? Not, not many people have heard of Zoom before March last year. And now we use it many times a day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now, you, you don't invest overseas, but if you did, would you be interested in investing in Zoom? Absolutely. I think this is a structural winner out of this whole thing. And share price is so volatile as investors move on from first selling all the COVID winners. But this is a company that was so little known to investors. Now they structurally have a foothold in so many countries, so many businesses. I think that scale is incredible. Yeah. And so in many ways, it's, it's being used by business. But I think in the, in the end, families will use this sort of thing as well. Um, and I, know I actually just talked to one of our financial planning clients who, who live in the country, and they never used Zoom before. Now, he's got a daughter in Melbourne, a, a son in America. Once we teach him Zoom, he'll start using it with his family as well. Absolutely. I think the access, um, I have little kids. Uh, my seven-year-old has been doing Zoom playdates. Uh, I've been selling up, setting up all these Zoom playdates with his little friends, and it's worked incredibly well. Yeah, exactly right. Anyway, let's get back to Australia now. And I asked... Uh, I'm interviewing Larry Diamond for our Thursday uh, investment show. I just want to get a feeling about what the fund managers are saying because they, they did um, uh, present to the market last week. And I, I must admit, I thought it wasn't a bad report, but the market wasn't all that keen about it. And in the past, you've been a fan of Zip. You have looked at the report. Has the market got it wrong or all right? Look, at the, at the moment, market is going through a transition phase. So uh, market is selling a bit of winners, taking profit out of a lot of those winners. As you can see, those buy now, pay later sector have done very well in the last 12 months. So, you know, it's going through a bit of consolidation period. So investors kind of ignoring what's being reported. Now, out of that result, I agree with you. I think it, it, it was an okay result. It's, in, it's beat the expectations um, by a little bit. And the US business core play is going incredibly well whereas yeah. australia is slowing a little bit but that's expected because um you know australia has reached the very very high penetration uh, for the new customer ads it's expected to slow down but then it's about how much um you know you can make out of each customer and in terms of transaction value and then the turnover so but the u.s business is actually showing incredible growth um which is actually quite encouraging because that's a much bigger market yeah so i must admit i came across a great warren buffett um quote uh, today where he was saying that you know um, uh, sh short-term investors are, are a bit like um, well, well to, to take a lead from a short-term investor uh, and, and a lot of traders in the market big traders in the market are like that that's like you know calling a it's like calling a um, 
a, a, a person who's bigger on one night stand as a romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think it's probably somewhat similar. And I tell you, short-term investing is very difficult. Uh, odds are against you because we don't know what the future might look like. But if you can take a longer-term view, the long-term investing, you know the share price will eventually follow the earnings. And eventually, um, you know, the, the people will get over their skepticism once they grow their earnings to a certain extent. Um, and then the share price will follow. So, you know, with long-term investing, in a way, you take out all, all the noise and things have become easier. Yeah, you're a romantic investor, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Now, so, so therefore, the question for my viewers then is, do, do you think if you are a long-term investor, a company like Zip at current prices is looking like good value? I think it does. Um, and to us, Afterpay, as the leader of the category, also, um, you know, absolutely deserve investors to have a second look at those names. Yes, they've been sold out because of new entrant and the like, but we always talk to uh, the new entrant. All it does is showing the demonstrating how quickly this category is growing because the merchant wants, the retailer want this product, consumer want this product. It's growing so rapidly, of course, going to generate competition, but the market is so large, um, you know, once they demonstrate demonstrate their ability to go global. So, um, you know, you want to stay with the category leaders. Okay, let's go to another one. And you and I have talked about this before, but um, it's a, another one, for, I think, for the long-term investor. Uh, and, and I think also as vaccination rates eventually start to improve here, and they're definitely doing very well overseas, a company like Qantas, is it a buy now for a, a later return? Yeah, Qantas is absolutely a buy here. Um, share price really struggled um, just because of the lockdown, the stop and start of the economy. Now, this company, um, you know, many believe that, uh, it, you know, you require the international travel to return before they can make good money. But remember, for Qantas, the domestic route is most profitable. So as long as the domestic route can uh, recover, which we have seen a V-shaped recovery before the latest lockdown, um, then it actually generates um, 80% of its profit and it's very high margin so this business is uh, actually will come through come out of the pandemic once we do um you know to be a much leaner business um and much much more profitable business so it's absolutely a buy at this point okay now this is a gambling um investment this one crown resorts uh it's down to about ten dollars now the analysts think it's probably a twelve dollar plus stock but we don't know what's going on with the Royal Commission and the license implications. But at $10, do you think Crown is looking like a, a buy for the, the thrill seeker? When you talk about this as a gambling stock, it kind of feels like it's a gamble <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the, with, with the uh, volatility, uh, the roller coaster ride that the investor is going through at the moment. Look, at $10, you are very paying not that much for the business itself. Um, you know, the, if you look at the hard asset hold by this business, it's around $7. So, you know, $7 is hard asset, assuming no uh, license, nothing else, no goodwill. It's just the hotels and properties um, mm -hmm. that on fire sale at $7. So you're really paying very little now for the additional um, value. And at the same time, you previously, remember you have two bids on the table. Yes, Star has withdrawn its uh, its bids, but still it mentioned that it's still very interested in the, uh, you know, in the assets. So don't forget those bids. Um, and, uh, and, and, and another thing is that those lines, our view is still, and most investors, you know, when you actually take a reasonable view is that uh, yes, look, 
it's unlikely for the license to be completely stripped off, uh, you know, in one go. Um, it's very likely we will see some sort of, um, you know, extension period. So they may lose the license, but extend for two years to see how they go, whether they can remediate, uh, they can improve uh, on their behavior and business and operations. Um, and then they will come through and regain their license. And I think that's a more likely scenario. Um, and with that together, you know, you're really not paying much at this point. But look, news flow sentiment is very negative. But for a long term investor, it's really you buy at the time when there's maximum negativity. Yeah, because you when you think about it, even if another company comes along, even if the, the Royal Commission says a new company has to hold the license, that company would have to want to buy into those hard assets you talked about because the casino is inside that you know fantastic hotel in melbourne and you know it's simply in perth uh they go hand in hand together and there would be a value in there somewhere for a new buyer and it's probably going to be north of ten dollars absolutely look we think there's a lot of hidden value in this and Honestly, for Star, it's uh, it's actually a critical moment because it's very important for Star to have a foothold in this asset because if it gets taken out by an international player or others, um, then it creates another competitor who knows how they might compete. So, you know, we firmly believe that there will be some sort of deal happening and uh, and there's more than one interested party in the, its assets. Okay. Now, just quickly, there's a few companies been thrown us by, by viewers. If you, if you haven't got a view, let me know. First one is... Telex Pharmaceuticals, TLX. Look, we like this little business. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's got a great rally in the last 12 months. Um, it, this company provides, uh, um, you know, a lot of imaging um, uh, products and uh, has got pretty good momentum. Share price rally into, into that. Um, perhaps it's a hold at this point because it rallied quite hard into that. But it is a great management team. Um, and Chris has, has actually executed very, very well. He runs a portfolio of products, um, so not high risk like other biotech businesses. So we like this one but it's more of a hold than chase the share price here so maybe it's a buy the dip if the market should that's sell. right that's right want. let's go to ingenia communities group ina yeah look the, the, again this is a company that's uh, it's done quite well recent acquisition has shown that um you know has a good read through for its own property assets um and um again it's probably more of a hold at this point um but it's a good uh, it, it's good business and the valuation wise is still a little bit of upside but it's more in the hold range by the dip again okay nexus nxm yeah, this one is interesting. Look, I, I have much pre preference for the larger miners um, and uh, just because of execution. Um, and recently we have seen so many, uh, all these large gold miners have had quite a bit of uh, downgrade because of labor shortages and the like. So, um, you know, it's I have a preference for the like larger ones, but at this point it seems, uh, um, you know, that there is a bit of disruption because of the labor shortages. Okay, one final one, service stream, SSM. Yeah, Service Stream made a good acquisition, and I think um, they they will have to demonstrate to the market so that they can generate those synergy because the synergy numbers is uh, being quoted is quite enormous. Um, so perhaps uh, it's on the watch list. Um, uh, it's um, yeah, sort of wait and watch to see the execution. Okay, that one is definitely for the thrill seekers then. <laughs> okay, right. thanks for joining us in the program. See you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much. Have a good day.
Well, reporting season is looming and I thought I'd catch up with a, a good mate of mine, Raymond Chan from Morgans, to see what companies might be worthwhile thinking about before reporting season. And it's not an easy question, but someone's got to answer it. Raymond, thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks, Peter. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, it's, it's a tricky question, given the fact that, you know, the A6200 now trading around the record high. Yeah. So, um, but the key theme going into the reporting season, we think, you know, most company will able to meet the market expectation. However, if we look at particular stocks that likely to beat the market expectation, uh, I think it's very likely to look into the resources area, Peter. Mm, yeah, okay. So let's give us the, the two, I've asked you to come up with two companies. Um, uh, so let's kick off. What are those companies? Sure, uh, both, both, are, both are on the ASX 100. Uh, and, and they're the familiar uh, names. The first one is BHP. I think, you know, uh, BHP, as we all know, the iron ore price, uh, you know, near, near the record at the moment, and half of the BHP EBITDA is come from iron ore division. Uh, we think, you know, the company currently have a very low intention of uh, CapEx programs. As such, you know, very little spend on the CapEx, and, we've, uh, and the management being very mindful uh, of uh, total return to the shareholders. As such, they are likely to surprise on the upside on the dividend. Uh, our expectation, even before you know, any surprise, uh, BHP already on a dividend yield of around 6%. And I usually want people not to buy resources on, a, on the yield. However, given the significant revenue uh, they generate from the resources area, especially in the iron ore area, uh, I think BHP is the first one. Uh, I think there will be a dividend surprise going into the reporting season. Yeah. And also, Raymond, they seem to be um, mindful of uh, ESG influenced fund managers. They're, they're trying to reduce their exposure to fossil fuel uh, mining. And they're also looking at, new, at sort of the, the minerals of tomorrow, aren't they? So they, they look like a company that's adapting well to some of the investment themes that have become pretty important nowadays. Exactly. Uh, ESG is certainly one of my key themes uh, for this financial year. And, um, you know, we continue to see uh, company, you know, to demerge, to sell off, to divest, um, you know, uh, 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 carbon intensive, you know, business. As in, in the case of BHP, the, the market rumor, you know, suggests, you know, they may consider to offload uh, their, their oil and gas business. Mind you, uh, BHP owns some of the best oil and gas business uh, around the world. Um, and they sort of, you know, want to kickstart a bit early. Of course, if they do divest that part of the business, that will make BHP more concentrated in the area of iron ore. Yes, of course, they got other area, um, such as, you know, nickel is one area where Peter, you just mentioned, yeah. uh, those are the commodity for the future. So they sign a contract with Tesla um, to, to kickstart a uh, long-term production on uh, one of the nickel mine. And it's turned out to be one of the biggest nickel mine in the world. Uh, so yes, the, the management are doing uh, their part to address the ESG. For the shareholder, uh, uh, I guess, you know, somehow, you know, you would rather BHP to be more diversified. However, this is the, the new world we're going in at the moment. Uh, ESG, give it, you know, the name of the game and where's the fund flow is coming in. 
Yeah, okay. So that's the first one. What's the second one? Uh, second one, um, again, you know, the investor wouldn't be too too disfamiliar with this name is Aussie Mineral, OZL. Uh, OZL is a, one of the you know, uh, remaining uh, big uh, pure copper play. So the copper producer um, with you know, key production coming out from Prominent Hill, um, they, they extended the mine life. So they will continue to pump out um, good revenue from uh, that operation. And also they got you know, other division on the, other uh, project on the development. What happened with um, uh, Aussie Mineral is uh, we think uh, on the back of very significant realized the copper uh, price they achieved it, they were quite com comfortably exceed the market expectation. However, traditionally Aussie Mineral uh, don't pay much dividend on the projected yield of a bit over 1%. We think in this reporting season, the board may actually pay a special dividend. Um, so this is our expectation, you know, it's not guaranteed this is going to happen, but if they announce any special dividend or, or capital management, I think that will be well received by the market. Uh, of course, copper is regarded as one of the best uh, bellwether um, resources for a booming global economy. Uh, and we know copper prices have actually spiked and they have come off recently a bit, haven't they? And that, that do you think this partly related to the fact that there were coronavirus concerns that might slow down the global boom that's expected 22, 23? But then given the fact that um, markets have become positive and less concerned about the coronavirus outside of Australia, do you think copper has some upside over the next two years? Yeah, there's two sides of the copper story. Uh, one side, you're absolutely right. Uh, copper usually seen as a proxy uh, for book, uh, global growth. So I, I, I use real tinto as an example. Many, many years, years ago, people look at real tinto as a copper play. Now, of course, iron ore become the bigger part of uh, the business. So yes, proxy for the global growth. Another side of the copper, which become more and more uh, uh, of the invested uh, attention is uh, the use of a, the use of copper in electric vehicle. Um, that continue continue to be a huge demand for that. And uh, the reason uh, profit taking, yes, uh, you know there there have been some concern about the global growth, but not to uh, I can't help and notice you know copper price already double on the past 12 months. So a bit of profit taking, I think is justified. Um, for, for in the case of Aussie Mineral, I think it's more about the price they realize during the, the last half and how are they going to uh, make use of this windfall and reward the shareholders. Okay, so I guess this is the, the last question I wanna throw at you then, mate. Uh, Copper, as, is, as we made the point, has been a, a great proxy for what might be happening in the global economy. Um, and big booms and copper prices do well. But copper has a new part to it, which you've implied, because it's leveraged into the electronic vehicle and the boom that's gonna happen there over the next five or 10 years, copper will have new, in a, in a sense, investor supporters because of its link to the electronic vehicle industry? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, arguably, you know, the, the, the use of copper, uh, within the you know within the electric vehicle market at this stage is still relatively small. However, there's a we see a growing pie of that uh, capital going into uh, that area. 
And I think I, I recall I read one of the studies, you know, over the next 10 years, the demand of copper in, you know, uh, in electric uh, vehicle is going to double. And, uh, and remember, the world does not have any significant new fund copper, copper mines for quite some time. So uh, I guess you know, it become very valuable uh, for the existing producer who be able to sell uh, into a very liquid market at a high price at the moment. So Raymond, for those people who might have a sick portfolio of shares, Dr. Copper might be the, the long-term solution. Uh, it could be a uh, good diversification for a big portfolio. Yeah, very, very clever piece of, uh, uh, and, and also very cautious advice. Well done. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks again, Peter. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book, Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. And that was Raymond Chan from Morgans and now I'm joined by Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And Paul wants to look at super funds and their very good returns and ask you the question, has your portfolio matched these or even done better? Paul, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. So there's a bit of a provocative question, Paul, asking our viewers whether they've been able to outperform super funds. Well, I think it's a question you should ask, particularly if you're managing the money on behalf of others or you're a self-managed super fund trustee. And even if you're just managing on behalf of yourself, you still gotta be honest about it and saying, are you cracked up to be a fund manager? Because if you're not, then it's time to find either somebody else or get out of the business. If you're running your own self-managed super fund, you've got an obligation to do to perform. And I think one of the ways to measure that is to see how you're going compared to how the big boys in the market are doing. Yeah, all the big girls, Paul. I should have said, yeah, the big people, uh, something like that. You're right, Peter. Of course, it's a, it, it's an industry and, of course, there's lots of participants. Yeah, exactly right. And many, many of the fund managers nowadays are, in fact, uh, women. Let's go to um, the, the first chart you've got there, Paul. It's a really interesting one. I think people will be fascinated not only with the last year's return, but the, the longer term um, returns from super funds. Yes, yeah, so I just wanted to show what how our super funds have been going over the last one, three years and 10 years. And this is to the 30th of June. And the data comes from one of the leading uh, super fund researchers, that's Ch Chant West. Now I've broken the funds into four different categories uh, and that's according to the type of assets they have. So an all growth fund or a high growth fund uh, has very much invested largely in growth assets, things like shares, and property, whereas down at the bottom, you've got uh, a fund that's pretty defensive and investing mainly in things like uh, bonds and other fixed interest securities. And you can see the enormous, the variability of the returns, but the key takes, I guess, Peter, last year was a cracker, 18% uh, for the so-called growth uh, fund, that's a median return, but that's a one year return and over three years and 10 years, of course, it drops off. And uh, we, you know, I think Chant West said that last year was there was the best year in 24 years for super fund returns and that's a function of the the COVID-19 market meltdown we had in 2000 in the early part of 2020 
And secondly, it was actually their second best year on record. So don't get used to 18%. But when you're comparing it, at least you can look at your own return and see, well, how did you do compared to what the industry did last year? Yeah, that's right. And, and I think the, it, the fascinating one for me, Paul, is, okay, there was a big uh, crash the market and it was a sensational rebound faster than we expected, though we expected a rebound, but not that fast. Yep. Um, but look at the, I think, you know, the new investors to the market in particular, they look, at, look to see that over a three or 10 year period, the high growth option, 9.2% a year, 9.7% uh, a year, that's a, a nice return, but it's not excessive, is it? It's not really big. No, I mean, I think um, if you're thinking about, you know, returns um, in an environment of ultra low interest rates and when the cash rate is down to 0% uh, and share markets, you know, have gone up partly as a result. And we, we know that the in the US, the, the uh, Wall Street's hitting an all-time record and the Australian market, we're very close to one. That means that the returns you can expect from the various assets have also gone down. So the idea of expecting a consistent double digit return, I think just don't exist anymore, Peter. Mm. I think that that uh, chart gives you a good illustration after a bumper year last year, but look at it over 10 years and you see the returns are more like 9% uh, for something that's very growthy and more like about 5% for a conservative fund. And uh, I think we've got to start to, to use those sort of numbers in our planning and think about that when it comes to uh, what type of, you know, how much your super money is going to grow over the long, long term. Okay, let's get to your second slide. I think there's a second really important issue is you actually show us um, what the various asset categories have returned over time. And Paul, I know what stands out for me, but for your, from your point of view, what do you think is the big message for investors? I think there are two messages. First of all, international shares have consistently beaten Australian shares. Now, I know we all have a hometown bias uh, and all the research says that, but over uh, the, those time periods, one, three and 10 years, and it's true over five and seven years, uh, international shares have outperformed the Australian share market. I guess that says something a bit about our economy as well, Peter, because maybe our share market's not as representative uh, of some parts of the economy as it should be. But mm -hmm. so it does suggest to you as an investor you know, and if you follow what the major super funds are doing, you should have some assets outside Australia. That's that that for me is the number one take. Um, secondly, Peter, the other one for me is that the, the bond market actually had a, a negative return last year. Now, normally people think of bonds as super safe, you know, because these are issued by governments. Hmm. Uh, and of course, uh, you can't lose money. And if you hold it to maturity, you won't. But in terms of a, of a market price, uh, when interest rates go up, um, bond prices fall. And so the bond market investing in, in, in the asset class bonds last year had a small negative return. Over 10 years, you're still getting around up almost 5%. But again, have a look at the difference between the return in shares and the return in bonds. Super safe, 5%. Want to take some risk, you'll get a return more likely around about 9%. And so risk gets rewarded. I think that's one of the other messages. What also is interesting is that the kind of returns that super funds made in the conservative mode are very similar to what the Australian bonds did over a 10-year period, around 5%. Yeah, and look, that's pretty much what you'd expect, Peter. So um, 
I don't think it's an accident when you get uh, the benefit of 10 years of data and you get some smoothing. So I think that's the first take uh, and, a, and a really important thing. So there's no right or wrong way to invest. You've got to invest with the way you feel comfortable about where you are in terms of, you know, life stage and also what your expectations are. And if you want, if you, you know, don't want to have sleepless nights, then don't invest in, in assets that go up and down in price. Uh, so the share market is you only want to have a little bit of exposure to, but if you're prepared to take some risk, then the data says that uh, over time you will be rewarded. Now, we all know that that doesn't mean you can't get one bad negative year or even a couple of years of negative returns in a row. But um, you know, over the longer term, you will be rewarded for taking on risk. Yeah, you, you get those big rebound years as we saw last year. I think another important point, Paul, is when you look at the performance of international shares unhedged that's taking out the ups and downs of the currency which can be annoying on a one or two year basis that you can get over a 10-year period those international shares have returned 14.8 percent and it is one of the reasons why with our financial planning clients we, we we actually do buy local stocks because we know them really well but internationally we use fund managers like a wcm or magellan because they've had a pretty good history of doing well and they've done even better than that, Peter, because this, of course, is just the index. So uh, we actually think that in, in terms of investing offshore, that's where I think a fund manager, it's a much bigger market. It's, it's uh, it can really, there's a lot more stocks to choose from. I think there's a lot more opportunity to add value than sometimes there is in the Australian market. So uh, I think there's a lot to be said for getting an active style of manager there. I think the hedging, unhedging versus unhedged is always an interesting question, Peter, because uh, we all know that that uh, you know currency risk is something that that's out there. It's interesting that last year in the 2021 year, um, you know the, the uh, hedged investors did better than the unhedged investors, and that's because the currency went up. And we had you know if you go back to March last year, the Aussie dollar actually hit about 55 cents at the height of the uh, uh, coronavirus market meltdown. And of course, we had a big rally all the way back to 80 cents, and now we're about 73, 74 cents. So we've been saying to clients for a while to be hedged. But over the long term, I mean, well, the, the data says that there's not that much difference. And uh, it hasn't been that costly being, in fact, it's been to your profit to actually get a bit of currency risk mm -hmm. uh, being uh, actually unhedged. Yeah. And, and we have to say that on this particular program, we interviewed Michael Knox in about June of last year, who told us that he thought the Aussie dollar was going to 80 US cents. And that's one of the reasons why we switched our, our clients over to hedge. But we'll go back to unhedge one of these days, won't we, Paul? Yeah, it's just about value for money, Peter, where it is. I mean, I think um, long, long, long term, the Aussie dollar is 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 uh, has lost value. And so that's why the unhedged investors have done better. But uh, there are times when the Aussie dollar gets down there that the risk reward says it's better to be hedged. Why have currency risk when the Aussie dollar's most likely move is up? And that's what we've been saying, Peter, as you said at the outset, uh, for more than 12 months. Yeah, we got lucky. Well, well we, we showed that we're very um, per, uh, perceptive. That's what we showed. Now, Paul, if people want to read your story, they go to the switzerreport.com.au website. Yeah, a lot more. And I really urge people to, uh, you know, look look harder how they're doing as an investment manager uh, or if they've got an advisor, how their advisor is helping them. And then if they're not performing, then really it's time to take some action because uh, it really is one of the main jobs of being a trustee 
is to make sure you're doing the right thing by you, you and your fellow members. Yeah, great stuff. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter. And that's Paul Rickard of the Switzer Report. And as I said earlier, if you do want some insights into investing better, uh, having a look at the switzerreport.com.au website might be a really, really good idea. Thanks for joining us on the program. Look forward to um, talking to you next week. But also, of course, there's the Thursday show. And on this Thursday show, I'll be interviewing the CEO of Zip. That's Larry Diamond. And we'll see whether he can give us a leg up or a leg down for the stock. Thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.